0: did any of you grow up in a home that you got reminded to close the door? About this time of year it would start. You know, there might have been a phrase like, we're not heating the whole neighborhood. There might have been a a phrase that had something to do with the location of where you were born. There might have been a phrase that said you know something about the bugs or if you want all that that bad just go outside and stay there there might have been all kinds of phrases and you're welcome to share those with other people just not right now but this morning what we're looking at is the fact that it's time to open the door but there's a thing you have to understand that to open the door we're describing means you close the door to some other things. In the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, in the third chapter, beginning of verse 14, is what's known as the letter to the church of Laodicea. It's the last of seven letters in chapter 2 and 3 in Revelation to churches. They're short letters. they Would almost be a text today. And they were written specifically. To the people of those churches. And it was kind of a circle of of churches. And the church of Laodicea. Is the last of the group. And it's one of those. Where most of the letters. Had something where they were being commended for. And then something. They were being condemned for. Something of praise. And something of "Eh, that's not good. This one doesn't have any praise in it. Um, Laodicea, the town itself, was a very important town. It was well known and it was considered a wealthy town. It was known for the clothes they produced, especially a specific high quality black wool and the garments that they would make from that. It was also known as uh, a very intelligent place. There was great learning that took place in that city and it was also known for a very prominent uh medical school. So the town was known for a lot of things and it was one of those upper class towns and the church had begun to reflect the town instead of the other way around. I read something that was written about 25 years ago this week. And I went, man, it's more true today than it was 25 years ago. And the author said, and I can't tell you who it was because I read too many things this week and don't remember who it was. But the author said, there's kind of a reverse conversion happening today, 25 years ago this was said, where instead of the church changing its community, the community is changing the church. It's more true now than it was then. Or we need to fit in so that we can minister, but we can't fit in. We need to make sure that as we love people and get out into our community that we are showing the difference that a life in Christ makes. The men's breakfast yesterday, and by the way, men, if you don't normally come, first and third Saturdays, A's Kitchen, great time. We kind of talked about this a little bit and the fact of praying for one another to be living and walking the way we need to so that we're not becoming like everything around us. That's the background of this letter. And we're not going to examine this the way we would normally. That may come in a series uh, sometime next year. Um, But I want you to understand the background of that as we read these verses. Revelation chapter 3, beginning at verse 14 through verse 22. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And it says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing And here's our key verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear What the Spirit says to the churches, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's time to open the door. But we have to understand that this door that we need to open is the door of our hearts and our minds and open it toward God's will and His desires. To do that, for many of us, that means we need to close some doors for God's presence and will to be all that it needs to be in our lives. We need to close the door, first of all, from this passage in verses 15 and 16. We need to close the door to neutrality. We need to quit being Switzerland. Neutral is not a good thing in this case. And it's not a good thing in a car either. Now, it's fine if you need to show off the engine and rev it, but having the vehicle in neutral gets you nowhere. So if you don't want to go anywhere, neutral is fine. But if you don't want to go anywhere, leave it and park. In fact, if you don't want to go anywhere, why are you in the car? It's the same in our spiritual life. Neutrality is an enemy of those following Christ. We need to be careful of this. I know your works, verse 15. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. Just neutral. Just there. You see, you've got to choose who or what you will follow all through scripture, Old and New Testament, you'll find instances where somebody says, I choose or I declare or here's what I'm going to do. That's a declaration. That's dropping it in gear, getting it out of neutral so that you can do and be what God has called you and created you to be. Neutrality is an enemy. Neutrality is saying, I... just not going to choose right now, but here's the problem. To not choose is a choice against Christ. Verse 20, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I'll come in. It takes an action. It doesn't say, well, you know what? The Lord's knocking. If he wants to get in, he'll get in. And he could, but he won't do it that way. You need to invite you need to open the door, but you've got to close it to this idea of neutrality, and that has crept into the church way too much. You see, this position of neutrality has absolutely no impact. Having the car in neutral won't win you any races. It won't get you to where you want to go. It has no impact. And the same thing is true spiritually. It'll have no impact on anyone, let alone allowing you to make a difference in your community or your family. Neutrality is harmful because it does nothing. And we have not been called to do nothing. We have been called at times to wait. But in that waiting, we're instructed to be listening to him. We're instructed to be meditating on him. We're instructed to be praying. That's not nothing. That's not neutral. Neutrality spiritually is harmful. Because it does nothing. And we were called and created and empowered... To be a witness and a disciple for Jesus Christ. To walk in a manner worthy of Him. We got to close the door to neutrality. Secondly, we need to close the door to self-sufficiency. This one flies in the face of the culture in the United States. Right? We teach our kids to be self-sufficient and to a point that's true, otherwise they'll be in your basement forever. <laughs> not going there. Oh, that would have been so good, but I'm not doing it. Verse 17 says, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing, <laughs> this is a lousy list. Not realizing you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Man, not realizing that? How neutral can you be? Self-sufficiency says, I can do it myself. It is thinking that you can do it alone. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, even when we're trying to do the right thing, we may be able to go faster alone, but we'll go further together. And when it comes spiritually, we won't go faster alone. We won't go anywhere alone. We'll be stuck in neutral trying to do it by ourselves. Self-sufficiency is saying, God, I don't need you. I got this. So I would never say that to God. Well, how about this? Self-sufficiency is thinking we only need God when we're in an emergency. That's a very popular concept of God. The emergency room doctor vital, necessary. You're glad he's there, but you only go when there is an emergency. How often do we do that spiritually? When we're in a crisis, Lord help me, when things are seeming to go okay, we're neutral toward him instead of depending on him. Self-sufficiency is the enemy of Of following Christ. It's the enemy of walking in the way that we should walk and doing what we've been called to do. So what about opening the door? I love verse 20. In fact, I was reading this week that some commentators said, this might be the most beautiful verse in all of scripture. I had never thought of it that way. But as I read it over and over this week, I decided they might be right. Now I think it's on equal footing with John 3:16 and a couple of others. But listen to that verse again. Behold, in other words, wake up. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The image that I get out of that is that God is not standing at your heart's door. He's standing there, letting you know he's there. He's not about to break the door down because he needs to know that you're accepting him. The famous painting of Jesus standing at the door and knocking that you may have seen, if you look closely at that picture, there is no handle or latch on the outside of the door. Jesus is the latch is on the inside he's knocking can I come in so he's God he can do what he wants that's right and what he wants to do is be invited in he wants to know it's our choice not him forcing it upon us we need to open the door number one to God's provisions his provisions have been tested And tried. I don't know about you, but anytime I go to a doctor, which by the way, let me just get a pet peeve out of the way. (laughs) I heard, oh dear, and it wasn't from my wife. That's not good. One of the things that annoys me when I go to doctors now is when they start the statement with, well, at your age. (laughs) A couple of amens on that one. And those of you younger laughing, your day's coming. One of the things that when I go to the doctor and they're suggesting something, Uh, whether it's some rehab I should do or some medicine I should take or some contraption that I need. One of my things I want to know is, has anybody else used this yet? In other words, has it been tested? I mean, on real breathing people? Not just in a lab. Has it been tried? Did it work? (laughs) Here's the beauty of God's provisions. They have been tested a long time. They have been tried, and they are true. They have proven to be true. Verse 18, he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire. Gold that you want is gold that has gone through the fire, has gone through the heat, and it has burned off the impurities. It has burned off the stuff that will weaken it if they aren't removed. He says, you can get this from me. What I'm giving you is pure. What I'm giving you is true. What I'm giving you is guaranteed. We need to open the door to God's provisions, tested and tried, proven to be true. And here's the part we struggle with the most. God's provisions are all you need. Whoa, we struggle with that one, don't we? Now notice, I didn't say they're all you want. But they're all you need. And my prayer is to get more and more to where I think that all I want is all he thinks I need. We have to recognize in our world, and especially in our culture here, Satan will attempt to convince you that you always need more. Of what? Whatever. That you need more. Or you need different than what you currently have amazing to me isn't it to you and sometimes you'll hear somebody with wealth and you go man if i had that i'd never want for anything else well first of all that's a lie but secondly they almost always go if they are asking for more you go well how much is enough and one multi-billionaire said a little more than i currently have if we're asking for god's blessing that's good if we're asking for his spirit that's a great answer but if we're asking for stuff all we need is god's provisions and they are all we need we also need to open the door to god's healing verse 18 goes on and says That the gold refined by fire so you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Written to the people in Laodicea, that meant even more because that famous medical school was also known for a special and almost miraculous in that day, eye salve. There's always the miracle coming, right? There's always that next thing that we are hoping for. But what we need is God's healing, and that's according to His timing and His will. I don't understand it many times. I don't understand the timing. He doesn't consult me about that. I think He should when it involves me and mine but it's his timing not mine and it's his will not mine I got asked yesterday how do you explain the things we pray for that don't seem to be happening and I I don't have an answer for that and I gave the typical answer when I get to heaven that's what I'm going to ask God but I won't because when I get to heaven what what do I care at that point it's going to be so wonderful it's not going to matter and not only that, sometimes what we are praying for isn't the best. Some of the greatest prayers God has answered for me, for me are the ones he didn't answer when I was able to look at it later. No, I don't understand why some get disease and others don't. No, I don't understand why some die early and some don't. I, I don't I don't have a clue other than I trust him. I don't like it, but I trust him. Because he has never failed yet. It doesn't mean we don't hurt in the now. It doesn't mean we don't wish still for that to be different. But we trust him. His healing for his purposes we also need to open the door to god's guidance to be led by him verse 19 those whom i love i reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent god's guidance involves discipline and man, we love that word if we're given it. We hate it if we're receiving it. It involves discipline. God's guidance, but his way is still the best way. And we need to keep praying for it. We need to be tuned in to his GPS. Now, one of the One of the flaws with GPS systems is it'll get you somewhere. You just don't know how you got there. So you can't tell somebody how you got there other than to go. I'm not saying that's wrong. You just need to understand you got there. You just don't know where you are or how you got there. Sometimes that's like following God where he says, turn left. You go, that doesn't make sense. Just turn left. This is the better route. You have that on your GPS where it'll sometimes say correction. I don't mean when you make a wrong turn. That says rerouting. I mean when it says better route available. Something's up here you can't see, but we've been told about it, so it's better if you take this route than this route. God does that to us all the time if we'll listen and open the door to his guidance. We can save ourselves a lot of heartache. We can save ourselves time, though that's not of utmost importance. Accepting God's guidance also means you may need to repent before you can receive his guidance. Repent is not a word that's popular today, but it's necessary. Repent is not the same as I'm sorry. Repent is a turning away from one to something else. Turning away from what we shouldn't be to what we should be. Repentance generally hurts. Saying I'm sorry, you may think it hurts, but not near as much as repentance. Because saying I'm sorry doesn't mean I have to change anything. I just said I'm sorry. Any of you ever have to deal with this as parents with kids and trying to force them to say they're sorry and have a kid who thought they could outsmart it instead of saying I'm sorry they just said sorry I was the only one that tried that with their parents we'll speak about lying next week See, there's a difference between sorry and I'm sorry. There's a difference between repenting and being sorry we got busted. We need to open the door for his guidance, which may involve repentance. Here's the beauty, though. The last thing you need to open the door for is God's promise of salvation and life. That's verse 20, the beautiful verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and eat with him and he with me. That's the picture of God's forgiveness. That's the picture of salvation. And he's knocking at every door, not just the ones we like. He's knocking at every door, not just the pretty ones. He's knocking at every door, not just the ones that are well lit. He's knocking at every door, even the doors you don't like. To open the door to God's salvation and and his life is the beauty of this process. Now let me backtrack just for a second to finish this. When it said, I wish that you were either hot or cold, don't be neutral. See, you can't open the door for his salvation if you're trying to be neutral. You've got to choose him. And that hot or cold was referring to the fact that some stuff is so refreshing and better cold. And some stuff is so refreshing and warming and it's better hot. But almost nothing do we want that's lukewarm. And the verse that's used, the word that's used in that verse where it says, I'll spit you out of my mouth, the literal translation is, I will vomit you. That is not a pretty picture. We need to open the door to his salvation, his guidance, his healing, his provisions, so that we Can live the life he's called us to so that we move from neutral to committed, so that we move from attempting to be self sufficient to being dependent on him because that's what's best. Do you have a door that you need to close? Maybe one I've listed, maybe it's another one. Do you have a door you need to open? to his guidance, to his will, to salvation? The question is, what will you do today? Too many times we say, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that later. But the truth is, if God's showing it to you, the time to do it is now. Let's pray. Father, I don't quite understand. You're leading right now, but I'm following it. I pray that in this moment, for some who know and you've shown them they need to close some doors, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, fall down in conviction upon them until they say they're closing that door. Maybe they need to close the door of self-sufficiency. Maybe they need to close the door of trying to just be neutral and please everybody. But in all of that, they're missing you and having no impact. Lord, there are some here today, maybe many who need to open some doors to depend on your provision alone instead of what they're trying to create. To depend on your guidance instead of their desires. To depend on your salvation above all else. Lord, it's easy to gloss over this. It's easy to hear it, stuff that outline in our Bibles and go about our merry way. But I pray that your Holy Spirit pursues us today and this week. I pray that we make a choice today to open the door to you and all that you have for us and to slam the door shut on everything else. Oh, Lord, I don't ever want to be with the Laodiceans. I don't want to be what you are spitting out of your mouth. I don't want to be what is displeasing to you. Now, Lord, I don't think anybody here does either. Give us the courage this day to commit to open the door to you and all that you have for us. I pray this in your name. Amen.